Welcome to C-Suite Radio. The Open Mic Podcast is brought to you by the Cheap Seat Entertainment Network. Holy heartbeat! Welcome to another episode of the Open Mic Podcast. Excellent! With your host, Brad Allen. Well, isn't that extra special? Recorded live at Bay Area Studios. Join Brett each week as he interviews celebrities, influencers, authors, high-level entrepreneurs, and much more. At the open mic, no topic is off limits. Giddy up. And you never know who may stop by. Now, here's your host, Brett Allen. What's up, everybody? Happy July. It's great to be here with you in the studio. Today, we have on the show Tim Gunn. Super excited about him. I am so looking forward to you being a part of this conversation. Life is one big collaboration. That is our theme in today's conversation with Mr. Tim Gunn. Well, we're in July, as I mentioned just a second ago, and uh, we are still on lockdown here in the Bay Area. Things just got extended a little bit longer, three more weeks. So we'll be spending 4th of July at home. And this will be our last episode before the holiday. And then we will pick back up next week with a brand new episode. Robert Lasarda will be on the show next week. An actor, you know him. If you've ever seen any action film ever on television, you will recognize him. The man is covered from tattoos, head to so he plays a really good bad guy and we have a fun conversation with him Ralph Tresvant as well will be on the show soon from New Edition some great content coming your way it's going to be a lot of fun Eric Roberts actor Eric Roberts will be on the show here soon as well We've got all these episodes lined up and in the can, and uh, we're saving them for you. But yeah, Tim Gunn is on the show today, and today's episode, before we get started, is brought to you by HostGator. HostGator is this month's sponsor of the Open Mic Podcast. That's right. If you head over to HostGator.com and use promo code Brett's Open Mic 2020, you get up to 60% off of any web hosting services, website design. They're great. 24-7 support. You could just go online, get somebody on the horn, and they will help you out. We are using their services now, and I'm excited about it. But enough of that. Tim Gunn, welcome into the show. It is great to have you here today. Well, brother, it's wonderful to be with you, too. Thank you so much for having me. Well, I am excited to chat with you, and I, I think I literally say that about everybody because I just feel like I have the best job in the world talking to fantastic people like yourself. And when I knew this was happening, I reached out to some fellow listeners and asked them if they had any questions that they would want to ask Tim Gunn if they had the opportunity. So one of the biggest questions I got was, what does Tim do during quarantine and lockdown? What? How do you fill your time? Well, I'll be absolutely candid and transparent with you. I love nothing more than being home alone. <laughs> it's it's um it's a panacea of sorts. And but I will say. After three months of, of uh, self-isolation, it, 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 it got to be a bit much. So I'm relieved that things have begun to open up here in New York. But I, I, I read, I write, um, I organize, I clean. I, uh, I, I have to say, I'm very lucky. I've never, I've never been bored in my entire life. There's always something to, to fill time and space when it comes to me. And I consider myself extremely lucky. Yeah. Now, I know normally there is a routine that you have. You like to go out and have breakfast and just read your paper. So now you have to do that at home. Is that is that the story now <laughs> since we can't really go out That's to exactly restaurants? That's exactly what I'm doing. Yeah. You know, the only thing that I kept up with 
Um, I, I had to stop my fencing because the club closed. Um, but I've kept up with my fitness trainer, uh, Jason. He and I work out twice a week. In fact, I, I worked out with him this morning in Central Park. So we're not going to a gym, of course, and we're social distancing and wearing masks. Um, but he's keeping me in shape, which I'm very grateful for. Yeah, I would say that's a huge thing. And I've talked to a lot of people since this all started. And everybody has, it seems, to have come up with these creative ways to stay fit. I guess there is this new system. I talked to somebody that they bought. It's like a mirror and you put it on your wall and it has workout equipment and there's like videos that you can watch that it's like having a trainer there. So if they don't have somebody like Jason, you know, they can just work out, but that's great. You've been able to get out and, and do things. And how is the climate there right now? Are things slowly, you mentioned they're starting to open up. Is there a sense of calm now, kind of that things are starting to relax a little bit or is everybody still kind of in that moment of like, oh goodness, you know, what's going to happen next? Because you guys were hit the hardest, right? We were hit terribly hard. I, well, I, I'll, I'll add, I'm very lucky to live in a real neighborhood neighborhood. I live on the Upper West Side um, and it's, it's, a, it's a family place. It's a personal place for many people. Um, we all know each other. Um, and we know all the, uh, proprietors, the, the, the store owners and workers, and we're, we're a really wonderful tight knit community. So once things started opening up again, people were uh, rediscovering old friends and, and, and businesses with which they've had a long relationship. I mean, for three months, I couldn't go to the dry cleaner or laundry. So it's been like old home week in a manner of speaking, and it's been, been very touching um, my the place where I have, used to have breakfast every day, City Diner, just reopened for sidewalk um, social distance dining, and um, I, I was there yesterday picking up a, a, a takeout order, and there were three people I hadn't seen in three months, and we were all so overwhelmed with joy that first we're we're well, um, that we're still here, and that we'll see each other again. It was very very touching. Yeah, I would say that's fantastic. And I'm here in San Francisco Bay Area, so we got hit pretty hard as well. And things yeah. are, are starting to open up a little bit. But now I think Governor Newsom is maybe starting to tighten a few things up. Things I don't I don't go to bars or clubs. I'm a single dad, uh, 45 years old. So that's like I'm far removed from those days of going to the club so you know that doesn't really bother me but i i'm the same as you in the sense of a homebody per se i work from home i podcast and so it's been nice you know before it's like well there's this opportunity to maybe go out and do something if i really want to but now it's like well i'm home so i really don't want to do anything so i've been binge watching Amazon, your shows and old episodes of Project Runway, my roommate and I, she loves that. And so we've been watching that and just kind of connecting in that way. So it's been great. I've gotten to know my roommate. I've lived with her for a while and to know her on a different level because she's from home. She's at home all the time. So it's been an overall, I think, positive experience, you would say, uh, just kind of in life. Well, we have to make the most of it. Um, and and I, I don't want to be a prophet of doom, certainly, and, and I really don't subscribe to negative thinking, but don't we think this is going to, that we'll have a resurgence and we may be going back undercover? We may be, yeah, I think so. I think it's very possible. Yeah. It's I, I don't think it's far from over, but in any case, I'm happy to be here with you and I'm glad that 
We have technology to talk. And there's a couple topics that I want to cover today. And I want to focus on the idea of pursuing your dreams and how to get from point A to point B. Because I feel like that you have said so many great things about this and you always have this positive perspective. And we all know your story that, you know, Project Runway really wasn't like the long-term goal, right? When you first got that, you weren't out seeking uh, to be famous or to be a television star. You were a professor at a design school and you just kind of happened upon it. Is that, correct me if I'm wrong, that's kind of how it all started for you? That's exactly how it happened. I mean, I have to say, I I learned a very long time ago that if you chase things, if there's something you really want and and you chase it, it it it, it escapes you, it eludes you. Um, I've found, and 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 uh, and I'm only one person, um, but speaking from my experience, whatever you have on your plate, you you deal with it as effectively and as thoroughly and as passionately as you can, no matter what it is, and you enjoy it. And I, I Project Runway, in fact, I, I, when I first heard from the producers, they called me in my office at Parsons um, and said, we want to talk to you. And I said, well, thank you, but I really am not interested in talking to you. I said, few things make, make me um, want to choke more than the whole idea of a fashion reality show. Um, and they said, well, just give us five minutes and um, we'll, we'll see where the conversation takes us. And I became intrigued when I realized how much integrity and seriousness, seriousness of purpose the producers had. Um, they wanted to work with real fashion designers, not pick people at random off the street. And I was never intended to be on the show. I was a consultant. Um, and that within 24 hours of the, of the designers arriving, the producers asked me if I would um, be willing to go into the, the design studio and ask them what they're doing. And I said, well, it's how I've spent most of my life. So yeah, that'll be easy. But I have to add, Brett, I never dreamed I, I would be in the cut of the show. I, I was very aware of the camera placement, um, one on me, one on the designer. And as long as I had the designer responding to me, no one needed to see me. No one needed to hear my voice. And I never dreamed we had have a season two uh, let alone a season 16. So I, I take things one step at a time and enjoy the moment. Um, and I feel it would be hubris to, to wish for anything. Um, people ask me, well, what would you like to do next? I, I well, t- t- as of now, just survive. But I, I, I think it would be, um, well, as I said, hubris to, 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 to wish for something when I've been so lucky and I've had so much. And I never dreamed of leaving Parsons. Um, I thought I'll spend the rest of my life here. Um, but after 24 years and, and circumstances presenting themselves, it was time to move on. And that's such a great story. And I think a good testimony for our listeners to say, okay, the first nugget that I want to point out here is that I agree with you. If you are working too hard to get something probably will never happen, or at least not in the way that you might expect, or maybe never. So if you are in a position and you are, let's say, pursuing a career, it doesn't matter, you're an entrepreneur, and you know that you have to think five or six steps ahead, perhaps, to get where you want to go, what are some ways that we can just kind of look at this and go, 
I just want to take this step by step. How do you manage your time to be able to have that mindset of of not chasing things, if that makes any sense? No, it does make sense. I, I mean, for me, it's about living in the moment um, and being a thousand percent attentive to what's happening in the here and now, um, not getting distracted, not daydreaming, um, and and giving and being in the moment a thousand percent, giving everything a thousand percent, just doing the best possible job that you can. People take notice, um, and and if nothing else, forget about other people. It's about self esteem, self pride, um, and and valuing yourself. Um, I, I'm probably not the best person to talk to about entrepreneurial skills because it's against, it goes against my experience in, in so many ways, um, which is why I, I believe I compensate for just being in, in the moment and enjoying it as opposed to projecting out what the next steps may be. Um, I mean, unless you're, unless you're engaged in, in a serious project like home renovation or something, um, in which case you have to project out. I've, I've been very, very, very lucky in so many ways. And just as I said, Project Runway wasn't on my radar. I didn't know such a thing existed. I never dreamed I'd be a teacher. I hated school. And I, when I first began teaching, it was really about an obligation that I felt to a mentor who invited me to teach. Um, I thought, well, I can't disappoint her. Um, but it was, it was horrible. I mean, I threw up in the school's parking lot every day for a week. Um, I was trembling and shaking um, during class, um, and I rehearsed a, a speech to my mentor to 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 quit. Um, and I gave it to her on a Friday on the, the Friday afternoon of that first week. And she sat across the desk from me and and was nodding her head, listening. And she said, "Well, I trust that this will either kill you or cure you, and I'm counting on the latter." Good day. And I taught for 29 years, so. You, you, you just never know. I mean, that's the other thing is I believe things happen um, in a robust, meaningful way when you leave your comfort zone. Sure. If we stay in our comfort zone, nothing happens other than we, we feel comfortable. Agreed. So when you throw the dice and you take a risk, I think some really profound things can happen. And, and, and I'll repeat, I'm an example of that. Yeah, I think that's very true in the sense that you know, just taking things one step at a time. You mentioned something interesting, and I want to expound on that a little bit if we can. The idea of being a mentor or finding a mentor in that regard, regardless of what you're trying to attempt to do for you, it was you had a mentor and you began teaching. But if somebody is doing something in life, it could be anything, and they are looking for a mentor, what in your opinion, Tim, is the best approach to do that and find a person that you can connect with and begin that journey together? Well, I believe it's about communication and interaction writ large um, with lots of people. And in the course of getting to know people and, and, and discovering what your relationship with these individuals is, that a mentor can evolve. I think if you, it goes back to, to not chasing things. I think if you chase down a mentor, it's not going to be, it's not going to be right for you. Um, in terms of, of my fashion design uh, teaching experience and, and, and my chairmanship of the, of the fashion department at Parsons, um, I realized that a person I knew was a board member 
at Parsons was going to be the perfect mentor for me because of how we, we interact um, and the relationship that we developed in an altogether different context. And that was Diane von Furstenberg. She is, has just been the most wonderful sounding board, um, truth teller, um, and, and she's a no-nonsense kind of person. She, she completely changed my fashion style. I mean, by, by being a blunt instrument, she didn't literally go shopping with me and pick out clothes. <laughs> but when I became chair of the fashion department, um, she was the first to come, come visit. Um, <laughs> we were in my office, and she was looking at me a little askance. And I asked her, I said, is there something wrong? Do I have a stain? She said, no. She gestured up and down me and said, this won't do. She said, you, 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 you don't look like you're part of the fashion world. You need a, a new look. Um, this is too dowdy. It's too stuffy. Um, it's too corporate. And you need, you need something fresh. I, I, I mean, I, 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 lis- I listened to her. I, and and I, I, I would not be truthful if I didn't say that I felt hurt. I once she was being mean spirited, and I knew her well enough to know that that wasn't the case. She was really concerned, and she wanted me to have credibility in the industry and be taken seriously. and And I'm I'm still grateful to her for for giving me that shove and saying get get out of this comfort zone that you're in. Um, so I went out. I bought a black leather blazer, black pants, and a black turtleneck, and that became my uniform for about almost six years. That's fantastic, and. It probably changed your life at that moment. It's, I think oh, it's, it did. It did. I think it's important to have somebody in your life that you can connect with and, and that can speak into who you are as a human on a very honest level because that's yeah. how we get better, right? Like if I surround myself with people who tell me what I want to hear, I am not going to succeed for example, as a podcaster, because I'm always wanting to grow and become better at my skill set that I feel like I've been given. And if I don't ask people around me, how can I fix this or what can I do to get better? I'm just going to get stuck in a rut. And for you, it was her. I think that's great. Thank you so much for your honesty in that piece. Now, I want to ask you this, and I and I ask a lot of people this that I have on. You've had this long and iconic career that was sort of happenstance that you have embraced. Have you had any moments, you've had successes, but have you had any moments of where you would consider to be failure? And it doesn't have to be a big thing, just anything that you wish that maybe would have gone differently. And if so, you know, what would you have done and and how would you have taken that and embraced it to strengthen you and to make you a better person just as a human being overall? Well, it's so interesting you would ask that question because it, I was talking to my trainer about it this morning. Um, and, and speaking of happenstance, it had nothing to do with what, what we were doing, um, but it had to do with the fact that I brought a towel um, per his request to put down on a park bench. Um, about, God, I can't remember how many years ago, I made a serious error. And to be absolutely honest with you, I knew at the time that it didn't feel right. Um, I felt that this was a case of leaving my comfort zone where I was opening up an acid bath as opposed to um, just going into uh, deep, cold water. And what it was was my 
my agent, who's absolutely fantastic, and I would have nothing were it not for him. In fact, I don't know whether you know the story, but um, for the first two seasons of Project Runway, I did everything gratis, and I didn't think anybody got paid for reality television. And I met my agent at an event. He asked me who represents you, and I said, well, no one. I don't need representation. He said, well, who handles your contracts? And I said, well, I don't have a contract. He said, what are you talking about? <laughs> um, at any rate, he, he changed my life. Um, he said, we have, we have to talk. Um, but this, this wonderful agent, Jonathan, had been eager to do some licensing agreements. And I was very uneasy about it. Um, but, and, and, I, and, I, and I wanted to be out of the fashion area because I thought, I don't want people pointing to me and saying, well, what would he know? I'm wearing this shirt he designed and I don't like it and it's not comfortable. So I thought we have to stay out of that. So we got into bed and bath, uh, sheets and towels. I have to tell you, Brett, I was a pauper educator living paycheck to paycheck. I had never in my life with this project, that project, worked so hard for so little. It was absolutely unbelievable. It was a huge amount of time. Um, it was a huge amount of humiliation, sitting in the showroom and talking to buyers from stores um, all, who, who would say to you, this is a load of crap. And it's one of the few things that I can think of that I would undo. Um, and I apologize to anyone who bought any of the stuff. <laughs> uh, so I made a pact with myself. My name's going on absolutely nothing else ever. Um, on, the, on the other hand, the one thing, it's, I wouldn't call it a licensing agreement. It was more of a um, collaboration. And I had the wonderful collaboration with Mattel on a Tim Gunn Barbie, um, where um, Barbie has um, some of the 10 essential items that I say should be in every woman's wardrobe. So I felt it was practical, educational, playful, of course, um, but also serious, and that I really loved. But in terms of anything else, no, um, I, I'll, I'll never repeat that mistake. I think that's very interesting that you know they say mistakes are okay as long as you learn from them. So it sounds like you definitely learned from that particular situation. Yes. Uh, and I like that you said that your name was not going to go on anything. Um, so that, I think that's smart too. I guess it kind of, I don't know, like I'm not familiar with that particular world necessarily, but I can only imagine though the pressure that you must have felt when things started to go south, so to speak. And everybody knows who you are and your name is on this particular item. And now they're not mad at the product or the company. They're like, Tim, he's the one who's responsible for <laughs> putting his stamp of approval on these products. So, and they're right. I, I am the one who's responsible. You're absolutely right. And it's not that I mean, I, I, I believe that the products had value for the, for, for the price. Was it luxury? Well, no. And, and frankly, I'm not interested in, in a luxury market. Um, it, I mean, I'm talking about personally, not, not in terms of putting my name on something. I wouldn't do it whether it was high or low. $2,500 handbag that just grates on me. I want to say to people, why don't you spend $500? That's a substantial amount of money and give the balance to charity, to a, to a food bank or whatever. Um, I, I can't stand it when I hear about these celebrities and their half million dollar rings. I think, you know, there's so many people who, who have 
serious needs. This seems so selfish and self-indulgent. It just drives me crazy. Yeah, well, if it bothers you, <laughs> Tim, then it, you know, I, I agree with you. I'm the same way. Some of these things, I just, I don't understand it personally. And I don't know if it's because I just don't have the runway for it or just kind of like, I don't get it. It just mystifies me. Damn. But I, I, I love your perspective and honesty because it's I so mean, crazy. Anyway, sorry, I can get very pedantic. No, no, I love the honesty. You heard it here first, folks. Who needs a $700 pair of sweatpants? Nobody. Uh, I mean, because what are you going to do in them? Lounge in them? Uh, watch TV, you know, Netflix, Tiger King? Who cares? Nobody's going to see you. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I have to tell you a funny story, though. Um, I um, have said repeatedly that that athleisure is fine if you're sitting at home. It's not great if you're going if you're going out. Um, and I was going to my, to my fencing, which is right around the corner. Um, a number of months ago, and I was, I'm wearing my workout clothes. I'm going to fence. Um, I'm not going to dinner. I'm not going to the theater. I'm going to fence. And this, this person came up to me and said, I can't believe that you're such a hypocrite. You tell people not to wear these clothes and here you are in these sweatpants and this t-shirt and I listened to her and I said, I'm going to my fencing class. These are the clothes that I'm going to be wearing for the class. Anyway, she was horrified. And I'll <laughs> never forget the tone of, of when she said hypocrite. Hilarious. <laughs> this is Tim. This is Tim who's supposed to show up in, you know, I don't even know. I find that to be so funny. We've kind of covered a lot here, and I want to just narrow it down here. I know you have a very busy day ahead of you, and just a couple more questions. But in all of this, you have learned to negotiate and sort of navigate your way through life and mitigate all of the success, and you have a team that surrounds you. And I imagine that there are a lot of people, uh, I myself probably included in this, that want just a small piece of your time or want you to endorse this or support that. How do you say no? How does Tim say no in managing all of these negotiations and still almost in a way kind of getting what you need or you want? It's, a, it's an excellent question. I, I will say this. I don't think there's a single word in the English language that's more powerful than the word no. Um, and especially, especially when it comes to a negotiation, um, because it does close a door, um, and that can lead to rejoicing. Um, if you, the person saying no, um, it can be very offensive to the person hearing it, but you have to really, you have to believe it. I mean, you have to be willing to stand by it. You can't say, well, we'll say no and see what they come back with. No, that's not how you do a negotiation. Um, and, and, and what you said earlier, Brett, about a great team around me, I, I do. I have absolutely fantastic, fabulous people around me, and they're the ones who say no, not me. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, you have people uh, to do that for you, which is makes perfect sense, right? I mean, you have a publicist, uh, Taylor, who says, yes, he can do this, or no, he can't, or your manager who has helped you mitigate and get contracts and really position you. I'm sure you have producers all the time 
when you're filming things that have input as well. And that input's important. Yes. Um, I always ask my publicist and my agent, well, what do you think? Especially if I'm dubious about something. Yeah, what do you think? And if they're really confident that it's something I should do, well, I'll try it. I'll do it. And and we'll see where it takes us. I mean, sometimes it can be um, an, an, an awakening of sorts, um, and you discover things that you wouldn't have otherwise. And other times, it's it's an affirmation that, that your instincts were correct. But I, I, I need sounding boards. I don't like making decisions unilaterally. Um, and it's, it's helpful. I mean, I, I keep saying life is a big collaboration, and we need each other. Um, we're, we're not solos. Yeah, and I feel like, too, when you have so much going on, you have to have people that you can trust, right, to make yes. those decisions for you. And that does not come easy, necessarily, because you have to trust them first, and everybody manages trust with people differently. I mean, if you lose trust, well, that's a whole other podcast, right? If somebody betrays you, how do you get the trust yeah. back? And I, I, that's a whole other conversation. But really, you're putting your life, not literally, but figuratively, so to speak, in their hands and saying, I trust you because this episode will go out to, you know, so many thousands of people and it lives in infamy forever, you know, in the ether of technology, wherever the cloud, whatever the cloud is, right? Who's what's the cloud? It just it's out there. You know, you put something on television, it's out there. And some things you can walk back and some things that you can't. So to be able to say, I trust you with this decision, I like that. Have you ever had a moment just as a side question where somebody like a team member has said no, but you've gone ahead and done it anyway? Or do you just put your no. full trust in them? Oh, okay. No. If the, team, if the team says no, that shuts the door for me. Perfect. Um, because I don't want, want there to be an I told you so moment where, well, I, I warned you, you really shouldn't do this, but you <laughs> did it anyway. Oopsie. Um, I, I, I just couldn't do that. I would feel that would be a betrayal to people who are so supportive of me. And I'll add to Brett. I mean, in terms of my agent and, and, and my publicist, Taylor, and, and, and also Cece there, it wasn't... It wasn't a matter of, oh, well, here are these people picked at random and I'm going to work with them. I mean, we, sure. we had prolonged conversations and, and, um, and they weren't the only ones I was having conversations with, but it was a matter of, well, what do you think? Let's, do, do you want to work together? Um, after digesting and assimilating lots and lots and lots of information, as opposed to just, well, we're going to make this work. Well, maybe it's not workable. Um, and that happens too. Yeah, yeah. And that brings me to my last question. I've heard you talk about this before, and I would like to just visit this and do a quick flyby on it. How do you make things work in life? Not business, whatever. How, how does Tim make it work regardless of the circumstances? What is your secret sauce? Well, it's, it's what I would um, repeat to my students. Um, we're not buying more fabric. We're not reconceptualizing. We're not setting the clock back. We're in a moment. So you're having difficulties, or I'm having difficulties. Let's analyze what's happening and offer up 
a diagnosis of what is happening, um, just very matter-of-factly, what is it? Why, why am I so unnerved? Why is this not going the way that I was anticipating? And once you know what the real issues are, then you devise a prescription for how to make it work. How, how, do, I, how do I handle this? How do I deal with the situation at hand? Um, and I find it's a great life lesson because it gives you um, an additional dimension of skill sets or, or problem-solving abilities um, to take with you to the next problem that you're going to be presented with because we always are. Yeah. Um, there's always something. But it's, 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 it goes back to what we were talking about at the very beginning. It's about being in the moment and owning it. I feel like this has been just such a fun conversation and very informative and also so many great nuggets and pieces of content that we can just apply to our lives and, and, and regardless of what we're doing. And so with that, I say, Tim, thank you for being on the show today. I really appreciate it. Well, Brett, thank you so much. And, and I can't believe the time flew by as quickly as it did. I feel like we've been talking for five minutes. <laughs> I know. And that's the beauty of connecting with people. Thank you so much, Tim. I, I really do appreciate it. Thank you very much, too. That brings today's episode to an end. Thanks for choosing to stop by and listen. If you enjoyed the show, consider sharing it with a friend and hitting the subscribe button. It's absolutely free. The views and opinions of our guests do not necessarily reflect those of the host. Is it all over, Rock? I guess so. Until next time, cheers. Today's episode of the Open Mic Podcast is brought to you by Cheap Seat Entertainment. <laughs>